Hello everyone, welcome back to Point of Insanity Game Studios, Geekery in General Podcast. I am Al, and joining me today, my good friend and yours, Dan from Radio Free Borderlands. You know, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, Dan, so uh, how you been doing? Uh, all right, I suppose. I mean, it's it's okay. It's been a while since I've been on my own. <laughs> Are you starting to experience pod fade? No, it's, um, I don't know. Just been busy with this, that, and the other. That'd be it. That'd be it. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. So, well, good to have you back on the show. And today we're going to be just talking a little bit about Star Wars Episode Eight. So before we begin, spoiler alert, uh, we will be giving away spoilers, but... Then again, the movie has been out for over a month now. Like, what about? It's been about, what, a month and a half? Mm-hmm. So, if you haven't seen it yet, um, well, I, I think probably most people who listen to the show probably would have seen it by now. But, like I said, just be aware uh, first, there will be spoilers here. And also, we didn't really do too much planning with uh, this episode. So, we're just going to be kind of a. Uh, you know, going off the cuff, uh, shooting from the hip uh, today. So, you ready to go? Oh, it's nice about giving a spoiler alert. What's that? Now we can basically spoil anything. Yes, you we could. I mean? Rosebud was his sled. No, that's only in the Ghostbusters cartoon. I, I thought Rosebud was actually a nickname for his uh, his mistress. Oh, Rosebud is Citizen Kane. Yeah. Oh, but it was did, a sled. In Citizen Kane? Okay, I thought it was something else. But anyways, so Star Wars episode... Spoiled a 80-year-old movie. <laughs> Shame on you. Oh, and... Uh, the, the Matrix of Leadership, it went to Rodimus Prime. Yes, and uh, but, but Optimus Prime comes back, though. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to today's topic, Star Wars Episode Eight. So when... The movie was about to come out. Before you saw it, how did you feel? Were you excited to go see it? Were you? Did you have a lot of anticipation, or was it just like, eh, another Star Wars movie? Uh I was I was interested, but I wasn't like. Oh, how do I put it? I, I think the last Star Wars movie that made me bounce up and down, giddy with excitement, was probably Episode Return One: of the Jet- Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Okay. Uh, because uh, I was six. <laughs> but not, not, well, I don't I, know. That's not, a, that's not a dig, everybody. That's not a dig. Yeah. And, that's more about my personality than anything. See, so, and I was actually excited for episode one. And we've talked about episode one before, and I know that it's not the most well-received of the Star Wars movies. It's, I think it's one of those movies that you either liked or you really hated. Um, I actually enjoyed it, and I think one of the things that made me so excited to see the movie was Darth Maul. Um, you know, because you were starting to... See, and, you know, you were going to start to see more Jedi combat in this one. And, yeah. you know, as we talked about before... Oh, jeez, how many episodes ago was this? A lot. A while. <laughs> yeah. A while. 
yeah, um, go through our back catalog and you'll find it there. But um, I don't know. It just it seemed that with Star Wars Episode One that it made everything seem fresh and exciting about Star Wars again. And I mean, I think the same thing applied to Episode Seven and Eight, but. I think I just got a little bit more uh, excited about episode one because you might remember there was a huge advertising push. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, you still had that with the other movies, um, but it's just like, I I think it was because this was the first new Star Wars movie in, oh boy, how many years was that? Uh... Because episode like seventeen years or something like that. Yeah, it was something like that. And you know, since um, you know, of course, special effects technology uh, had come so far, you know, I think people were really excited to see how this was going to play out. You know, what were what were we going to they going to do with this new movie series? Because not only do they, are there better special effects, but they actually have more money that they can throw at it. And to some extent, I think now with uh, Star Wars being bought by Disney, that I think also has a lot of potential as well because, again, it's Disney. They've got truckloads and truckloads of money. So they're going to be able to throw as much money at these films as they want. Where, I mean, Episode 1, wasn't that one on like a shoestring budget? Uh, No, the original was. Yeah, Star Wars Episode 4. Yeah. So, oh, go ahead. Oh, um, you know, so they had to kind of build a lot of the, um, what do they call them now? They, it's the one of those uh, models, shoehorn, backward term things. Uh, yeah, some of the the, the more um, the visual effects and whatnot. They, I mean, they really had to, to play around and, and get creative. Yeah, and I believe I read in the originally like parts of the Death Star. They they were just sticking like, uh, you remember those old gray uh, Revel um, battleship, um, oh, battleship yeah. models? Yeah, <laughs> they were just sticking parts of those on there, on there. Yeah, and also what's interesting about the Death Star? Do you know why it has the trench in the middle? Mm-mm. Well, the guy who was making the model of it. He noticed that with the material he was making, he couldn't get the two pieces to stay together. They would always kind of come apart. So that's when he's like, ah, screw it. We're just going to have a trench around the equator of this thing. Um, so I, that, that's another little interesting thing. And also, if Without you look. Without I said on purpose. <laughs> exactly. But also, if you look closely, I guess, at some of the Stormtrooper armor the fiberglass that it was made of was not meant to hold the type of paint that they were using. So I guess if you look carefully, there's some places where you'll see that um, the armor is got like little paint chips out of it. Um, Also the, uh, what was the name of that robot bounty hunter from uh, Empire Strikes Back? Like IG-88? Like, his head gets reused as a prop in a few areas, but lots of little interesting Star Wars trivia there. So, I mean, I guess... Oh, sorry. Well, go ahead. One of the droids that was in the... I I believe it was in the Jawa thing in the first one, the original, it, like, it had come from an old uh, sci-fi movie from, like, the 50s or the 60s. 
wouldn't surprise me. In that. I don't remember the specifics, so I have a feeling that if you really, really like Star Wars, you probably already do this. Yes, if you're any uh, really super hardcore Star Wars fans out there, you're probably yelling the correct answers at your uh, media players right now, but it wouldn't surprise me. But uh, anyways, on to episode eight. So honestly, I was going into this movie with expectations that it was probably going to hit a lot of the same plot points as Empire Strikes Back did. Because Mm -hmm. if you'll notice... um. You know, and I've, we've talked about this before. Uh, my wife and I did right when we, right after we got home from seeing episode seven, we recorded an episode on it. And one of the things that I noticed about that, and one of my major complaints, it's almost like, okay, they're using a lot of the same plot points from episode four. You know, the movie starts with a little cute robot that is given an important piece of information where it goes out into the desert gets captured and then has to be rescued by someone who turns out later to be a strong force user. Gee, where have we seen that before? Mm-hmm. You know, and then of course there's the whole star killer base, but I was expecting it to take a bit of a dark turn and it does not surprise me that Luke died in this one. Um, because you notice that in the beginning, he says, you know, uh, I came here to die. So that's, And then, of course, in the trailers, they were uh, mentioning that, you know, the Jedi must end. So what about you? When you saw this movie, did you think that Luke was going to make it to the end? Um, Part of me was hoping so. And part of me was was also kind of yelling at myself to you got to see the movie and give it a chance before you, you say it was a good or a bad idea. I do that a lot. I argue with myself. Yeah. So interesting. Yeah, and again, it makes sense because there's a lot of because again, when you you look at what happened with Ray, well, I mean, let's start with the beginning of the movie. Um, so we've got the uh, the resistance; they're on the run. You know, they're they've been forced to abandon this planet that they were inhabiting on, and again, that's where it's like, oh, geez, come on! They started this. It was basically like how they started on Hoth, except, you know, they're not on an Arctic, they're not on a, an ice planet now. So that did kind of let me down how they started it um, on that same note that Empire Strikes Back did with the, you know, the rebels basically on the run. Um, and the whole thing about how a lot of it was just, I'll admit, really my favorite parts of the movie were when Ray was training with Luke and also when Finn and Rose went off on their own, mm-hmm. I didn't find as much excitement in a lot of the space battles. What about you? Um, well, so, they, they were kind of, I hate to use this term, but uh, they, they were what they were. I mean, I, I, I get, but you know there was there were certain things I really liked about the film, and and some of them were in those battles, but some of but most of them weren't. Um, like like the dog fights, give or take. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's just 
I thought, I mean, granted, I understand why they were doing the cat and mouse game uh, with the, what do they call them, the dreadnoughts. Um, you know, I understand why they were doing that to, you know, to have the tension, you know, they're, they got to keep just out of the, the lethal range of their, their weapon. And I felt it did make the, it did make the movie feel like, feel like it dragged on a little longer than it should have. Um, I mean, when we get though to, uh, Let's look at character development. I mean, what are some of your thoughts on how the characters have changed from seven to eight? <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like I feel like if they drop the ball with anybody, they drop the ball with Ray. Okay, how so? Uh, and I like the character, I really do. But there was a lot of development with. Um, Oh, what was his name? Cole and Finn, especially. And even Kylo Ren. That you, and Luke, that you didn't see so much. Like Ray, she was expecting this. She, she really kind of almost, she almost was the one who walked the walk compared to Luke in Empire Strikes Back. It was very similar. Um, so, it, it was almost like, okay, yeah, that's kind of where I thought it was going. But to see Poe try to be, you know, I, I'm this, I'm this superhero. I'm this, uh, you know, this legendary pilot and, and I'm going to do this big, brave, crazy over the top thing and it's going to save everybody. And then just basically get slapped down. Kind of liked it. Oh yeah, how like Leah says to him, you can't just jump in a starfighter and blow something up. And then of course later he's like, uh, general request permission to jump in a starfighter and blow something up. <laughs> but it's like, he, he's so sure of himself. So to see, basically, to have him fall on his face, I almost feel like some of that kind of stuff, that was the whole point of this film. Mm-hmm. See, um, I'd have to say, when you're talking about how characters develop, I really mm-hmm. like what they've done with Finn because mm-hmm. he has shown by far the most growth of any of the new characters. Um, I mean, you look at Poe, I don't think he's really changed too, too much between the films. He's no, still kind he of... He learned a lesson, but that's about it. Yeah, he's still this hotshot gung-ho pilot. But, I mean, you look at Finn at the start of Episode Seven. He's a little coward who wants to run away from the fight. But by the end of episode eight, he's getting ready to sacrifice himself to save everyone else. Mm-hmm. Even so, though halfway through the film, he tried to coward away too. Yeah, but still, I mean, he's... Yeah, because what I like about Finn is he's grown a backbone. And, you know, you you look at his duel with um, uh, Captain Plasma... You know, at the end, she calls him scum, and he's like, rebel scum, and he's saying mm-hmm. it with pride. So that's what I really like what they've done with Finn in the in the movie so far. Um, so, Paul... things I really like about Finn is, and let's be honest here, you know, there's a lot of people who who they think with their ego, you know, what would I do in this situation? What would I do? What would I do if I was in these... Star Wars movies. I'd be like Poe and Luke and and Obi Wan, and 
I'd be this big hero. You know what? Most of us probably would react like Finn. Yeah, <laughs> that is true. So, uh, so do you think he's, well, he's kind of like, um, I mean, I know we've talked about this when we've talked about the D and D cartoon, how of those characters, Eric was probably the most real of them. Yeah. So let's talk about Ray next. And, I mean, one of the biggest balls they dropped, of course, there's all these theories floating around about how, who are Ray's parents. And now granted, maybe they're just trying to mislead us, but Mm -hmm. uh, the explanation they gave there is her parents were just a couple of scavengers that sold her off so they could have more drinking money. Yep. What do you think about that? Do you think that was a good move or do you think that they should have given her, you know, her parents a little bit more like maybe one of her parents was a resistance fighter or, you know, maybe one of them was a, a bounty hunter, maybe even a Jedi. What do you think about what they've done with her in that regards? A lot of people that I heard online, they had all of these, these big theories about her being, related to this character from the original trilogy, this character from the prequels, etc., etc. Uh, when they revealed, no, you're nobody special, um, I loved it. Same here. It was absolutely wonderful. Like, it was such the ultimate trolling of the overthinking. Because, and I, I, I'm not dogging people for being fans of things. I'm a fan of Star Wars. I love Star Star Wars movies. But the ones that overthink it and overanalyze it and take it for so much more than it is, really, they they kind of got brought back down to the ground with this. Yeah, and... It's more realistic that her parents were nobody special. I loved it. I... It, you know what would have made it better is if John, or like right after Kylo Ren said that, if John Williams would have done a little, little, little uh, flourish of da 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 da, Rick Roll. Okay. <laughs> Still, I I like it though, and I think I agree with you on a hundred percent on this one. Mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're making Ray come from this humble background, and yeah, I like it how it is kind of the ultimate troll against the internet overthinkers, but. I think it does make her a more realistic and more relatable character. Um, so she doesn't have to worry about living up to anyone's expectations. Cause mm-hmm. if you look at Luke and Leah, how, you know, later on it's revealed, okay, they're the son of someone who was once one of the greatest heroes in the Republic. So they have that to live up to, or, or well, Maybe that's not the best way to put it. They have to kind of... I lost where I thought I was going They're with that. They're under the shadow, in essence. Yeah. Um, but in this case with Ray, she doesn't have to worry about trying to break out of anyone's shadow. She can, she can continue... She can develop as she wants. She doesn't have to worry about living up to anyone's expectations. And one of the things I did notice, and this is one of those things where, again, it really kind of parallels... Uh, Empire Strikes Back, I mean, look at their interactions uh, between Luke and Rey and compare that with Luke and Yoda in Episode 5. 
So what are some of your thoughts on that? I don't think it's it's as similar. Um, I don't know. I thought there was a certain parallel there because you might remember that uh, Yoda, you know, was trying to almost seem like he was trying to discourage Luke uh, Mm -hmm. from training, just like Luke was trying to discourage uh, Ray. Um, And and he was almost being sarcastic. Like, I like the part where he's like, you know, reach out and feel the force. And she has her hand out and she's like, I feel it. I feel and like wax her hand. Um, but like Luke actually seemed a lot more disdainful with with the situation where where, where Yoda he always kind of came off as playful. That is true. He was um, um, yeah. He likes stole one of Luke's little food bars. He's like, "How you get so big eating this?" <laughs> but there was um like one of my favorite scenes was in a. I gotta do. I gotta go back to uh, Force Awakens for this one. Right at the end of Force Awakens, she it's all emotional and and tense, and she hands him uh, his old lightsaber that used to be his father's, and he has this look of of just like pain and anguish, right? And that's what you left with, right? So you go right back to that spot, beginning of Episode Eight, and he picks it up, throws it off, or just. Wings it over his shoulder off a cliff and walks away. Yes, I have to. Thing ever. Yes, that was. Uh, I have to admit that was a nice little uh, touch of humor. And I thought that this one, I did like about episode eight. It did have those couple little touches of humor. Like another one of my favorite ones was when Luke reunites with R two, and you know he. It's clear that R two understands he doesn't really want to go do this, and he replays the video of Leia. Um, you know, the help me, you're our only hope. And he's like, that was low. Mm -hmm. So I also noticed, again, another one of those plot points that was similar to episode five is the whole, you know, that trial where you're facing the darkness. Because in episode five, we had Luke going into that cave where he thought he was fighting Darth Vader. And then it turns out that he, you know, cuts off his head and sees his own face. So, you know, that whole subtle warning of, you know, you have to be careful, otherwise you're going to end up like your father. And then we can and kind of... the way it was foreshadowing the end of the film. Yep. And that that's good, too, because, yeah, we, he gets his hand cut off and has to have it replaced with cybernetics, just like his dad did. Um, but also you had kind of a similar parallel with Ray, where she went into that cave. Mm-hmm. And again, looking for answers, but um, didn't really find the answer that she wanted to hear. Yeah, but if you look at it, she went in. She wanted to know what her parents. All she saw was her own reflection over and over and over again. Um, it, it pretty much did say, "I mean, you're not, you're not going to find it. You're yeah. not, you're not going to find what you're hoping for." <laughs> yeah. So let's talk next about Kylo Ren. And again, I, I have to say this again. When I found out that Adam Driver was playing Kylo Ren, I didn't think that he would be able to pull it off. Because um, I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the show he was on, Girls. No. Well, his character that he played on that show, kind of this you know whiny little sniveling uh, bastard, 
I don't know. I had spent a while since I've seen this show, but he didn't really come off as a very likable character. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to take this guy seriously as a Star Wars villain? But then, you know, when uh, I saw how he, you know, the character was written for episode seven, it made a lot more sense. And I'm like, you know, I actually really enjoyed his performance. And I thought his performance got better for the. Uh, for the second one, or for episode eight. So, what are some of your thoughts on Kylo Ren in this one? Okay, first off, I need to preface this by by something I've always wanted to ask. Am I the only person that when you see... Is Adam Driver, you said his name is? Yes. Okay. Am I the only one that sees him and thinks, if they ever do a biopic of Kiss, that guy should play Gene Simmons? <laughs> mm. I never made that connection, no. So I, I think that's just you for now. Very so. Um, next time you watch it, he, he looks like a young Gene Simmons. Anyway, okay. uh, I liked the character. I liked that they they let the character come out of the the Darth Vader uh, Darth Vader Part Two mold. Mm-hmm. I like that they once again they kind of they kind of smashed up the expectations. Um, Snoke. You know, everybody was like, Snoke is going to be this next big Palpatine. Like, who is he? He's this, this secretive character, and everything's going to be... And he gets slaughtered. See, um, and there's one theory going around the internet that he actually didn't die. Um, and the hint comes from what we see with the last battle, how we see that Luke apparently has some way to, like, project himself across the galaxy... Who's to say Snoke can't do the same thing too? This is true. So that's why some people are thinking have suggested that the you know Snoke was maybe just testing Ren to see if he would if he would betray him if he had the chance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess we're gonna have to wait till the next movie, but honestly, I think Snoke is probably still alive. Um because if you're gonna build him up as this you know, this mysterious power behind the, the, you know, the Dark Lord, where he's the one that's manipulating the events. It does, it makes sense to me that he may have been able to foresee what Kylo was doing. Um, and as I said, we, we noticed that Luke can also do this projection. Who's what, who's to say Snoke can't do the same thing. If he's still alive, I think it'll be kind of cool because, in a way, episode nine could turn into this almost three faction thing where he's obviously not going to trust Kylo Ren anymore. And if Kylo Ren basically, you know, goes off on his own, then you have three factions fighting with each other. That sounds like fun. Yeah. If he's dead. I, I love the fact that he went down so uh, unceremoniously. Yep. I, I like that because it was. Again, it was the smashing of these expectations. You know, everybody was expecting a new myth that rivaled the first two myths that we were given. Yep. And, oh, one of my favorite parts of that scene is when Rey is trying to use the Force to get her lightsaber. And Snoke makes it, like, fly around the room and then hit her in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. So, again, just one of those nice little humorous touches that I thought the movie had. But... So did you think that they were actually going to have Kylo turn back to the light at this point? 
here's the thing. If he's going to kill off Snoke, they couldn't do it. Um, that, that, that whiny little ginger guy was not, he, he wasn't going to work as a major villain for the next film. So he couldn't. Once they killed Snoke or pretended to, there's no way they could have. He could have. He, he had to stay where he was. He had to be evil. Otherwise, there wouldn't have been an episode nine. See, and I almost thought they were going to do it. And there is a part of me that kind of wishes they did have him start to turn back to the light. Because now it, it wasn't expected. Um, mm-hmm. And as I said, one of the main criticisms I have of episodes seven and eight, as I've said before, is both of them have these little plot points that kind of... that they call back to their earlier movies. And at this rate, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, episode nine also had, again, some similar plot points to episode six. But I don't know. I, I think it would have been awesome if they would have turned Kylo back to the light or at least started him on that path. Because um, I said, it's something that no one would have expected. And, I mean, do you think that Kylo's probably going to go back to the light in uh, Episode Nine? Uh, who's directing it now? I don't know offhand. I got to be honest. To me, it depends on the director at this point. See, and, if J.J. Abrams gets the helm again, I wouldn't be surprised. See, and I wonder if they're going to have what happened to Darth Vader in Episode 6 happen to Kylo in Episode 9. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did something like that where they find out Snoke is still alive and Kylo and uh, Rey are fighting, you know, and fighting in front of Snoke. And then they have uh, Kylo essentially sacrifice himself to save Rey so, you know, Snoke can be defeated. I don't know. I feel like they're setting up a they're setting up a a, a love uh, uh, plot with those two. A love plot? I don't yep. think I'd see that. No, but I do. Well, we'll we'll have to see what happens when episode nine comes out. I guess. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Dan's prediction is that there's going to be a little love thing going on between those two, and. Hey, hey. Ray and, and Gene Simmons Jr. are going to have some sexy time. <laughs> but, well, anyways, so now on to the scene's finale. And with Luke and his battle, well, not true battle, but well, uh, his encounter with Kylo. So what were your thoughts on that? Were you hoping for something more dramatic? Or did you think the ending was kind of anticlimactic in a way? Uh, no, actually, I did. Here's the thing. I I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people were pretty upset at this whole situation with, you know, Kylo and the reason he turned bad was because of Luke. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so it made sense for Luke to come back and try but I almost feel like Luke just kind of didn't care at that point at the end. Yeah. 
And I thought, in a way, I thought it was kind of anticlimactic. I did love the part where they show all those things opening fire on him. And of course, this is before, I mean, you kind of knew something was up because his appearance was so different. Um, But then again, who's to say that, you know, there wasn't, he didn't sneak aboard the Falcon or he found some other way to get to uh, the last planet they were on. Um, So that was one thing that I know I was kind of like, okay, that's kind of weird. He looks different. How did he get here? Um, well, what caught me was um, when he came in, he was using a blue lightsaber. The only blue lightsaber was the one that Ray had that got shredded in that fight. Yeah. Well, who's to say he didn't have a backup or two? Well, maybe the batteries on his green one died, I, I, I guess. Maybe, I don't know. But anyways, back to... See, I did love that scene where they had all of the... Uh, you know, again, before we realized something was up, all those... Uh, you know, the, the, the vehicles firing upon him. And then when the mm-hmm. firing stops, he's sitting there and just kind of nonchalantly just kind of brushes off his shoulder. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that the ending part between Luke and Kyla would be a little bit more exciting. So I thought it was kind of anticlimactic. But that's, I, I thought having him go back to the force just, or become one with the force. Again, I suppose it makes sense because it, well, wait, no, Yoda didn't become one with the force until episode six. Yeah. He dies kind of, was it natural causes? I guess. I don't know. Yeah. The, I, I'm pretty sure it was, um, well, he was like 900 years old, you know. Yeah, well. But I don't know. I just felt that it was, it's like Luke went out with a whimper, not with a bang. Yeah, and, I could see that, I guess. And I'm sure they're going to have him come back as a force ghost because, I mean, I was honestly, I was surprised when they had Yoda come back in as a force ghost too. <laughs> Part of me was hoping it was going to be you uh, and McGregor's um, Obi-Wan. <laughs> wow. Gee, Obi-Wan, you look so fit. <laughs> yep. So, all in all, though, I did enjoy Episode 8, even though it did have, like I said, it did have a couple of similar plot points to um, episode, uh, episode 5, but let's look ahead and think about Episode 9. So, we are we each of us already has our own predictions so far. I think that Kylo's going to die. He's going to sacrifice himself as a way to defeat Snoke and you know atone for his misdeeds. What do you mm-hmm. think is going to happen other than the the love triangle thing? Oh, I didn't. Or not say love, love triangle. Tri- sorry. Yeah, I, I, you're right. <laughs> My mistakes. Um. I think here's here's what I'd like to see, and I don't think it's going to happen. I'd like to see something that kind of ties everything together. Um, and I, I know that's unrealistic. And when I mean everything, it's not just not just take seven, eight, and nine and wrap them up in, into a tight little package of of, of plot. I, I'm talking like find a way to put a final touch on all nine of them together as one entity. 
Yeah. I, mean, I know they're going to keep going. Let's face it. They're going to keep going. But oh, yeah, I, mean, I feel like it was fitting to just do something that says, you know, this major part, the story, the Skywalker arc, whatever you want to call it, it's done. Yeah. See what you know? I hope. That means, sorry. Oh, go ahead. And, you know, and if obviously, you know, Luke Skywalker is gone. Um, they Princess Leia can't come around anymore for obvious reasons. See, and I'm wondering how they're going to deal with Carrie Fisher's death. Um, I mean, they're probably just, and I guess this is what, uh, this is probably one of those things that they're going to be damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they just do it like in the opening crawl where they mention that, I don't know, I could see them maybe putting the, uh, moving the story, the the story ahead a few years before, um, you know, before the movie starts. So I could see them doing something where, like, maybe in the opening crawl they mention that Leia died at the Battle of whatever, um, and I'm sure that would make some fans mad because they'd be like, okay, she was this huge major character and she's gonna pretty much just be glossed over. But then again, if they CGI'd her in, then, you know, of course, people would be having a fit about that, too. You can't do a recast. You can't use CGI. Um, I mean, like, you could do a faraway shot explosion, I guess. But I don't, I don't think there's a good way around this. Yeah. No matter what they do, it's gonna be less than deserved. Yeah, because, you know, the what it's like on the internet, no matter what you do, someone's going to find something to complain about. But oh yeah, what I would like to see is, I do, I do hope they move the story ahead a few years. Mm-hmm. Because what would be kind of cool is if I would like to see Rey reestablish the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. One of the things I liked about the prequel trilogies is you got to see more Jedi. And, you know, because we look at the, you know, in the, the original trilogy, we only see, you know, a total of four Force users. You know, Luke, uh, Obi-Wan, Vader, and the Emperor. Um, and they really don't, you know, the fights aren't as dramatic. Whereas in the prequel trilogy, you know, they really kicked it up a notch. Um, I remember seeing as a, it was bonus content on, I think, the, the episode one DVD. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy who was the stunt coordinator and the fight coordinator, I think his name is yeah. Nick Gilliard. Um, okay. I might be wrong on his name, um, but he was saying that what they wanted to, well, Lucas was saying in that bit that they wanted to show the prime of the Jedi. Um, because yeah. this is when they were more active. Because before we saw, okay, Luke, he was just still learning to be a Jedi, and then oh, Yoda, I forgot him as the other Force user we see in the original trilogy. But you know, okay, at this time, Obi Wan was a, you know an old man, and um, Vader, of course, was a crippled half man, half you know machine. So you really didn't get to see what a Jedi in his you know fully trained Jedi would be like. And what Nick uh, Gilliard was saying is that, you know, they they had to show that they would be, have to be really good because they were using a short-range weapon in a world of laser guns and, 
you know, blasters. Yeah. It's, you know, it'd be kind of like if you did a, I don't know, if you made a modern day movie where you had a main characters that were using swords and they were in a world of shotguns and, and pistols, you know? Um, so I well, would... If it was a Tarantino film, the katana would magically deflect bullets and... <laughs> of course, any good sword can deflect bullets and lasers, right? Oh, no. oh this is Tarantino, only a katana. Oh, okay. No I, other I sword. No, just a katana. It's a, it's a weird Tarantino thing. So okay, but I mean, I would like it. I would really enjoy it if they did show, like, uh, Kylo starting his own little Force user group and race restarting the Jedi Order. Because then that way we could start to see, you know, more of these, you know, more different types of Jedi and their different fighting styles. Because I don't know if they really expanded upon it as much in the original trilogy, but when in the prequel trilogy and the material that was released around then, you know, they start to introduce all these different types of, you know, lightsaber forms um, where, you know, there's form one, form two, and... Uh, like, for example, they mentioned that uh, Obi-Wan, I forgot what form he mastered, but he was supposed to be one of the best defensive uh, Jedi, whereas Count Doku was one of the best all-around duelists. And Mace Windu, he had some style that where it, um, the reason they say his, purple, his blade was purple is because you know, while Sith usually use red and Jedi usually use blue, so you put them together, it's purple. Where it's supposed to represent that Mace Windu tried to balance the Force, where he he could draw upon the dark side without being overcome by it. I don't know if that makes sense or not. I, I see where you're going, but I think it would be cool if they did show Rey with a you know a couple of Padawans as she's trying to reestablish the Jedi, and that could make way for the next tree pre ugh, can't talk that'll make way for the next um three movies you know because um i don't know here's the thing consider this you, you had the original three films which are this light versus dark thing right and move over to the prequels and what you see is there's kind of this hidden undertone of of when you when you see things in only black and white, like the Jedi versus the Sith, things go to extremes, which is kind of where Episode Three ends. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Now all of a sudden, there was this recurring theme, not so much in Force Awakens, but definitely in this one, where um, they they really seem to put that the hammer down on this idea of of black and white doesn't work. Especially with um, uh, Del Toro character. Okay, yeah. Um, oh, I forgot or the guy's he, name. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot the guy's name too. I, but he, you know, he has that whole scene where he's like, you know, here's these. Look, they made the the Tie Fighters and they made the Adats and oh, look at this, they make X Wings too. You know, he's trying to explain that at the end of the day, a lot of this doesn't matter. And I feel like they they brought that in so much that even with a new director, I don't think you can ignore that. Yeah, and you do make a good point where he does talk about the whole shades of gray, how 
um, yeah, it's like, oh, they, you know, whoever owned the ship, they were making, they were arming both sides of the conflict. So, yeah, that is good. So you think that if they do make, um, what would they call it? Okay, so we've got the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy. What would be next? The sequel, sequel trilogy? I guess. See, what I think might happen is is if, if my idea of the sexy time story comes to. That's what I'm going to keep calling it because I like it. <laughs> uh, this is a good name. Pervert. Right? I think I could see if they both live starting this force-sensitive group that's more uh, uses like a balance. DJ. That was the name of Bianco del Toro's character, DJ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's one of those one of those guys. There aren't a lot of them, but he's one of those guys that was in Star Wars films and in the James Bond series. <laughs> but he was, he was one of uh, Sanchez's minions in License to Kill. Okay. Well, I think that we're going to draw this episode to a close um, because, of course, Star Wars, one of the things I love about it is there's just so much you can talk about with Star Wars. And, heck, I even know people who uh, do an entire podcast about Star Wars. So if you do like listening to Star Wars podcasts, uh, check out my friend Zach and Ben. Uh, they do a show called the New Jedi Archives on the Galactic Radio Network. So they pretty much just talk entirely about Star Wars. So, yeah, if you're interested in Star Wars-only podcasts, go check them out. Tell them Al sent you. Hey, it's, so overall, what did you think of the film, though? Overall, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more for the little touches of humor that they put into it. Um, I said the only thing that really disappointed me is how they did have those things that were more or less just rehashed plot points from episode five. But then again, I did go into the movie expecting that. So I, I guess maybe it didn't come as that much of a surprise to me. And I, I think the reason I liked the film was because of the, the sacred cow murder that so many people got upset. For. <laughs> I'm like, you kidding? That's great. It threw you off. Yeah, just you know? like why, just why would not these sacred cows to continue in the film? If you think about it, you're going to be bored. That is true, and it's like what the uh, sequel trilogy. It's like it, they pretty much set it up where it's this whole passing the torch. So you know, we got Han Solo died. Uh, uh, you know, Luke died. We know that. You know, Leah's not going to appear in the next film, so she's probably going to be, you know, she's probably going to be implied that she died. So who's next? Chewbacca? They're, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they killed him off in the next film. Um, C3- he's going to be the only one that lives. You know why, right? <laughs> why is that? Because he's the only one that died in the old extended universe. That is true. <laughs> and, you know, and it's a funny story because the, the guy who wrote um, wrote the book in the EU before these came out that where Chewbacca died was Bob Salvatore. And I went to do, or I went at Gen Con, there was a, there was a, a panel and it was Bob Salvatore. It was, um, a couple Isn't other it writers. R.A. Salvatore? Does he have like a brother or something? The R.A. stands for Bob or Robert. So oh, okay. he, he goes by Bob too. 
And then uh, Ed Greenland was there, and you know there were these talking about oh, and Mike Merles, and they were talking about well, here's what we're doing with D&D next and things like that. And and Bob's like, because like please, he goes, all I ask is no more angry questions about Chewbacca dying. I, <laughs> I, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Dan, you talk. And you have your own little podcast that you run, and you generally don't talk really much about Star Wars, but I understand you do talk about this other game. What is it, the uh, the My Little Pony Friendship is Magic role-playing game? I didn't know there was a thing. There is, actually, because uh, there, there was a gaming convention I was at um, last year in Appleton, um, mm-hmm. and I saw it, and the person at the... the you know, it was like just a, a game store booth there. They said it was actually a pretty fun game. So, um, anyways. Hey, if you dig it, I, I'm cool with it. Well, I play it. I don't know. Exactly. But I mean, I, for all we know, it could actually be a really well-written game. Well, yeah, but, but you have to be a fan of the source material. And I got nothing against it, but it's not something I would go out of my way. Okay. But if people would like to go out of their way to listen to you talk about Dungeons and Dragons and occasionally other topics, where can they find you? Wow, yeah, you really set that up good. Do I gotta put up a special radio voice for this? Go for it. Oh, do I have to? Yes, do it, do it, do it. It's ten o'clock. I'm very tired. I had overtime all last week. Oh, stop whining and do your sexy radio voice. If I must. You can meet me at radiofreeborderlands.libsen.com or search Radio Free Borderland. Is that what you were expecting? No, it no. wasn't, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, go on, I search out Radio Free Borderlands. You can also search me out on oh my God, Twitter I and Facebook. Facebook, thank you. So. I usually edit that stuff out for myself. So Okay, so check out Radio... I f- promise you're not going to have to listen to me go, oh... At least well, not most much. of the time. <laughs> no, sometimes you can't edit them out. Well, thanks again for joining me, Dan, and thank you all for listening, and have a good evening, or morning, or afternoon. Wait, how does the rest of my uh, my ending thing go? Unless it's 9.30 at night when you're listening, in which case we all hope it's terror. No, we don't. (laughs) Anyways, whatever it is, wherever you are, have a good whatever, and happy gaming, everyone, and may the Force be with you. Yeah, that too. Yeah. (laughs) Good night, everyone. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio. <laughs>